welcome to the Financial Planning for Canadian Business Owners podcast. You will hear about industry insights with award-winning financial planner and entrepreneur, Jason Pereira. Through the interviews with different experts with their stories and advice, you will learn how you can navigate the challenges of being an entrepreneur, plan for success, and make the most of your business and life. And now, your host, Jason Pereira. Hello and welcome to the Financial Planning for Canadian Business Owners podcast. Just a reminder before we get started, as always, please sign up for my newsletter at jasonperera.ca where you'll get notification of all my media and other goings on. Now today's show. Today on the show, I have Jonah Mails of Sterling Park. Jonah has a background in tax law as well as insurance, and I brought him on the show specifically to talk about one concept in particular that is very much overlooked in estate planning and insurance in general, and that's the concept of insurance tracking shares. So with that, here's my interview with Jonah. Hello, Jonah. How are you? Good. Thanks for taking the time today. Oh, thanks for inviting me. I've been looking forward to it. Good. Well, we got all the time in the world when we're trapped indoors, right? Um, <laughs> so, uh, Jonah Mayles of Sterling Park, tell us about what it is you do. So, I am a uh, tax lawyer by trade. And somehow, because if you asked me 10 years ago, I would have never believed it, somehow found my way into insurance. So, what I do at Sterling Park, my partners are all insurance guys, been in insurance their entire careers. Whereas what I do, I do kind of the tax and estate planning that goes into the insurance plans that we implement for our clients. So I essentially do the same thing that I did as a tax lawyer, just for our clients that are acquiring insurance. So and on a previous episode, I had your partner, Zach, come on to discuss uh, business and insurance. And I've also had another expert, uh, Trevor Perry, talking about estate freezes and whatnot. And they kind of built off each other. And, and one of the topics I say for you is the concept of tracking shares or insurance tracking shares, because you're, you're very, very adept at this. So I wanted to open that up. Let's just start with the conversation of what is this concept of tracking shares or insurance tracking shares? And then we can start talking about why they're important, use cases and, and whatnot. So insurance tracking shares, it's essentially a class of shares that's created for a corporation that's going to acquire a whole life insurance policy. And what it does is it tracks the value of either the cash surrender value of the policy or the death benefit or both. So mm-hmm. if you have a company worth $10 million, you have an insurance policy that's maybe worth two, these shares just track that $2 million of value. Uh, it doesn't entitle you to dividends or proceeds on a sale of a business or votes. Absolutely nothing but the tracking of the value of the policy. Yeah, so it corresponds to one specific asset of the policy. I mean, this is a trick that's been known in the investment circles. Uh, for anyone familiar with corporate class mutual funds, that's exactly the same mechanism, track a certain underlying asset portfolio it might be. So what's the benefit of tracking in general? And we can get into the difference between the cash value versus the death benefit. The uh, benefit is under uh, Section 75, 70 sub 5 of the Tax Act, there's a deemed disposition of capital assets on death. Mm -hmm. So if you own shares of a corporation, a private corporation with a value of $10 million on death, if you can't roll those shares over to your spouse tax-free, it deems, it triggers a tax bill. And that tax bill is going to be $2.6 million. And as an example, as an example, and this is what it's not a $2.6 million flat, thank God. No. And yeah. this is something we covered in uh, post-mortem planning with Trevor Perry. So um, right. you, greater you detail. You minimize yeah. it. But what's crazy, yeah. and I always say this, is how often people are unaware that you can minimize that tax bill and how to do it, even yeah. people in our business. So the insurance tracking shares, it comes into play because what a lot of people, even in the insurance business, don't understand is, is that 
the cash render value of the policy attributes to the fair market value of your shares. So you can acquire a policy inside your company to fund that tax bill I just talked about. But without the right structuring, you could actually contribute to that tax bill with the mechanism that you acquire to pay it. So, I mean, let's imagine I, as an example, I set up a, and we'll use your tax bill of uh, 2.5 million. Say I do an estate freeze, I've frozen that at current tax rates, that tax bill at $2.5 million. I buy a $2.5 million insurance policy. That policy, let's just, you know, if it's term 100, there's no cash value to it. It's straight, you know, money in, money out. But I look at uh, tax sheltering opportunities and corporate surplus opportunities. I say, okay, you know what? A whole life policy is a good fit here. I like the additional tax benefits. The problem being that, as you said, as that cash value grows, now that that value of the company increases also, which creates an eventual liability, maybe not for me, but for the next generation as well. But if there's no freeze, then it definitely creates liability for me on death. Correct. And to me, this was like the best kept secret in insurance. So when I started insurance, I did not know the difference. I mean, you just talked about the difference between a term 100 and whole life. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I left Bay Street and went to go work at Canada Life and had no idea what the difference between term and whole life insurance was. So when I started at Canada Life, I go to my boss's office and I go, okay, who's going to train me? It's like, no one's going to train you. I, I hired a worker. <laughs> If you can figure out tax law, you can figure out insurance. So I'm like, I don't even know where to start. So I asked someone to bring me everything that Canada Life has ever written or published on insurance. And I had no meetings for the first like two weeks of my career there. So I sat in my office and read everything. And it was mostly junk, like salesy stuff. Then I come across insurance shares and I open up my tax act and I go through all the provisions of the act. I'm like, oh my God, this is, this is necessary for everyone I'm going to talk to in my life mm-hmm. now. And then I went out to these meetings and no one was bringing it up. No one was, was talking yeah. about it. And uh, to me, it is essential to have this conversation with a client every time. I mean, honestly, I was in, I was in a similar boat. And even with the, all the insurance training I had, I had zero exposure to it until I came across it in, in Joel Cooperfain's book. And it was just, you know, one small sleeve of a handful of pages and you're reading this and like, this is interesting, <laughs> right? So yeah. it's, it really is this kind of best kept secret of, of this sort of stuff. And I often wonder if it's just because the insurance guys rely too much on the lawyers for the freezes and the, free, and the lawyers don't understand the concept of insurance. So therefore, it's kind of sitting in this vacuum of basically mutual blind spot, blind spots for both of them. And right. I mean, if you're, and that's a very important point. I wrote an article about this. It was published in a newsletter and it went out to a bunch of professionals in the city. And I was getting calls like, oh my God, all my clients, they're all, you know, I messed them up. I'm like, hold on. Have they done a freeze when they acquired the insurance? Because often they go hand, hand in hand. And if you do a freeze, sometimes you don't need the insurance tracking shares. The reason mm-hmm. being, is, as we were talking about that, that tax bill on death, is based on that frozen amount. So if you froze it, that tax bill, 2.5 million, that growth in the insurance policy is going to the next generation share. So you've already accomplished that yep. goal. But a lot of times clients can't do freezes for whatever reasons. There's a shareholders agreement in place, which says you can't. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a type of business that you can't freeze. The best illustration I can provide as to why this is so important and how often it's not looked at is Zach and I were meeting with an individual. He already acquired an insurance policy. We were just meeting to talk about kind of industry related things. And me and Zach were like, okay, we're here. Let's see the policy you got. And he did uh, finance life insurance. 
and he financed 100% of it. And he did it to fund a tax bill on debt. And the policy was enormous. And we're going through everything that the insurance guys were had done. And I'm like, so what are you doing about the $10 million tax bill? And he started swearing at me. I'm like, don't swear at the guy. Like, I'm just, you know, the guy who's bringing the news. Don't kill The messenger, my God. <laughs> and his policy, this, the cash render value grew to $40 million at life expectancy. And there was no mm-hmm. freeze because he couldn't do the freeze based on the business he was in. So that CSV attributed would attribute $40 million of value to his shares on death, which means okay. that triggers an additional $10 million of tax. And he had no idea. And this was rushed. The whole thing was rushed by his advisors. And I then met with his accountant. And if you don't do, and this is an important thing with insurance tracking shares, is we put them in place right before the policy is done. So Mm -hmm. we will get approval of the policy. And when that happens, before we actually finalize the policy, we get a policy number. And we have our own draft of the insurance shares. I drafted them, so I just give them to the lawyers and they file them. And now they're part of the company. I actually put in the insurance policy number in my shares. So it Mm. tracks the actual policy in case there's multiple policies. Again, we don't want confusion. We don't know what's going to happen over the course of 30 years. You want to challenge it, saying the dates don't line up exactly. Yeah, so right. makes sense. And, And so we put the shares in place and we... Subscribe for those shares for a dollar each or a dollar mm-hmm. in total, most likely. We do that because the insurance tracking shares track the insurance policy, but the policy isn't in the company yet, which means mm-hmm. there's no value to the shares, right? Yep. However, this guy, the CS, the cash render value of the policy by the time we came in was already at $420,000. So, so there's a hundred and some odd thousand dollar tax bill right there. But what we did with the accountant, because again, we couldn't do a freeze. He had to dip into his pocket $420,000 and subscribe for the insurance tracking shares. So yeah, so essentially he passed that on to someone else by buying shares at fair market value. Fair enough. So it can't be done later. It can't be done that later. So can it be done for just growth from that point on or does it have to be an all-in-on proposition? It's from that point on. You, you acquire them at the fair market value of the tracking, which is the underlying. So let me rephrase that. So there's no way for him to subscribe to just future growth for a dollar because the value is already X, right? So let's, let's kind of go through the mechanism of what happens. Let's, so let's say I've got, I've got these tracking shares in place. I pass away. The tracking shares are owned by my next of kin. Oh, so my, my children, how does the math of all this flow through? Okay. So death benefit gets paid to the company. Let's just call it $5 million. Let's say yeah. there was a cash surrender value of $2 million, make the numbers nice and clean. Yeah. What does this look like when we start rolling, when we start talking about tax implications? So, I mean, if the CSV is $2 million, it means mm-hmm. we've saved the, I'll call the principal of the business, half a million dollars in tax. Because that, because $2, million that $2 million was not attributable to me, it's attributable to my kids, and therefore it never got added to my terminal tax bill. Okay. So that's the first math that's done there. Then when the $5 million gets paid to the company, it depends how we drafted the tracking shares. If they track the death benefit and the CSV, so the entirety of the $5 million, Mm -hmm. what would likely happen next is we would do, the company would redeem the insurance tracking shares owned by generation two. So that would deem a, that would trigger the cash to flow out of the company tax-free because of the capital dividend account. So then the $5 million flows out tax-free and the shares don't exist anymore. And this is a big thing is that an estate freeze 
which should be done when it fits, which is often, it's tax deferral, not tax elimination, right? Uh -huh. We are deferring the tax of generation. Here, we've actually eliminated the tax. Yeah. We didn't defer the half a million dollars of tax bill from Gen 1 to Gen 2. Gen 2 doesn't have that because those shares are redeemed. They no longer exist. So when they pass away, there's no... Yeah. And again, the, the capital dividend account is necessary. We have to use that to redeem tax-free. Correct. And all of this needs to be drafted properly, not only mm -hmm. in the shares themselves, but in the shareholders' agreement. Okay. So then let's talk about the implications to the remaining shares that I would have owned my state owns. So basically, there's still capital dividend account amounts left typically. So that can be used to redeem additional shares from me up to the stop loss rule. So basically about 50% there. But then the interesting permutation of this is that I still own, you know, the state still owns shares. And typically, you know, we've talked about pipeline planning in the past. I mean, because this money lands in my kids' hands free and clear, in theory, they don't need a pipeline, do they? They could just buy the shares from the estate directly. Yes. And it, it really does. That comes to that not one box fits for everyone. And it really exactly. depends on what the business is and if it's going to be carried on by the kids or not. And right now, and I don't know if this will always be the case, but right now, uh, the majority of our clients are in real estate. It just seems that there has been so much wealth created in the city through real estate in the last 10 to 20 years. And that's where the tax bills come into play so much because they don't want to sell the assets upon death. The no, kids want to I have a case just like that right now. <laughs> right. Yeah. No one wants to sell real estate. You want to hold it for as many generations as you can. So in that case, you're, you may not do a pipeline. You may not do a loss carry back. And not to get off topic, I mean, this is my own view. I don't yep. think the pipeline's going to be around much longer. Well, they tried to take a run at it once already with the small business tax changes. And yep. the pipeline's not the problem. The problem is that same strategy is being used while you're alive to recharacterize income. And yep. that is a glaring, let's call it, loophole the size of a Mack truck you can drive through right now. And they're going to target that at some point. I mean, we are in an environment right now where our governments are in so much debt, there's only a few ways to get out. They're either going to cut all of our services, which they're not going to do, or they're going to increase taxes. And they're going to start looking at things like that. Well, especially when it comes to taxes triggered around an estate, right? We don't have estate taxes. We have income tax at the time of death and deemed dispositions. But given the fact we're about to hit the largest intergenerational wealth transfer in history with the boomers dying off, it's anything that kind of reduces that tax bill probably is not going to do very well in, in, in Ottawa going forward. If it's aggressive and some things yeah. are more aggressive than the next. And that's actually a good point is that insurance tracking shares have been blessed by the CRA. Yeah. There's two technical in interpretations. And really what the CRA speaks to is not whether they're valid shares because they are valid shares. It's that point I just made about that client we met. It's when you subscribe for them. The CRA is concerned that people yeah. are going to subscribe for, for them after the fact and not pay the fair market value for the shares. Yeah. And when you think about it, it makes, I mean, where would the problem be? I mean, like there are any number of use cases where there are or, or situations whereby just a simple st standard corporate structure does not fairly reward the share owners for when they came in, what they did, whatever it is, right? So so being able to say, no, 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 this is my money and therefore it basically tracks to that, that is a tracking shares as a concept, something that exists elsewhere. Just using them in the case of insurance, why would there be a problem? If you're okay with freezes, this should not be an issue either. Right. And it's one of the great things about insurance is it's not only great for the client, but the government gets their money way faster. 
And this is, again, you know, when people say, well, you know, how long is the government going to allow this to happen with CDAs and everything else? It's like, well, do they want to get paid on time or not? Right. Like yeah. you, you basically don't. All you're going to do is force more mass liquidations, more stress, the stress sales and, and <laughs> not not make your uh, your constituents happy. That's for sure. Th- this guarantees that the money comes out as fast as possible and get, they get paid because they never have an They have an insatiable appetite for taxation. So basically, we've talked about that specifically in the case of real estate. I think that's a very valid one. And I actually have a case like that. Have you seen this paired up with uh, immediate financing arrangements where they basically then also borrow from that policy as well? Or is that kind of kept separate? No, no, no. It, it can be done in, in terms of the same implementation because the financing to me is a way to fund the cost of insurance, right? Mm-hmm. So the people yeah. that call an IFA free insurance, it's not. You're it's not. No. You're deferring the cost to a later time. So that's with an interest rate attached to it. So right. I mean, right now it's a great time to finance your life insurance because the rates of the bank are unbelievable, right? Like we're working with a client mm-hmm. now. After their deduction, the cost of financing the insurance is going to be 1.4% a year. It's amazing. But that is separate from the tracking shares because the financing to me is kind of on the front end. How are yep. how am I going to fund? the policy to keep my business going and not take capital out of my business. And the insurance shares deal with what happens when I die. I bring it up specifically around the use case of real estate where we use because typically real estate bugs only want to buy real estate in every capacity. You know, I have this, I have a friend of mine where we get in this argument every year at RSP time. And and I always argue with him, do you hate taxes more? Do you hate real the the RSP more? And he's grudgingly cuts me a check, but if he could cash that all out and buy more real estate, he would, although he might, let's see where the values are in a couple of years based on what just happened. But you do bring up a good point with the financing and the tracking shares, which is what's done at the end. And because if the financing hasn't been wound up prior to death, yeah. So that is still outstanding. When the money flows into the corp tax-free, that debt has to be re- repaid. First, yep. Before you extract, before you do the redemption of the shares. And I know that sounds like it um, makes sense, it's common sense, but when certain individuals are managing the estate and they're not aware of these things and the steps that they have to do, and they haven't read the shareholders agreement or the shares, which a lot of people don't, uh, you don't know that that impacts the timing and the steps of first you do one, two, three, four, and you got to do things in order and do them right. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. And, and frankly, it's, it's, you know, so it's entirely feasible that um, money flows in because death benefit, you know, for, especially if we do it for death benefit uh, for, for cash value, not for death benefit, death benefit flows in, it could be sufficient to pay out both. Right. Yeah. But again, that's assuming you don't wind up that loan. So tell me about some interesting use cases where this becomes particularly useful when we start looking at some of the, um, more esoteric stuff we encounter in the real world. I mean, you mentioned in the pre-interview issues surrounding uh, breakdown, dissolution of marriage, uh, certain shareholder agreements. Tell me where where this can solve for for problems with certain customer dynamics. So, so far, we've been talking about how the insurance tracking shares can be used to mitigate your tax bill arising on death because of the CSV of the policy. That's one use for them. And we've also talked about how sometimes that won't be necessary if you've done a freeze because that value already isn't in those shares of the deceased. But there are times even when a freeze is done that we will use insurance tracking shares. And it's not for that reason. It's actually just to ensure that the insurance proceeds go where they're supposed to go. And sometimes that's not an easy thing to figure out on a corporate owned policy. If it's a personally owned policy, you can designate a beneficiary. That's who 
the insurance company is going to write a check to. But if it's a company, they're the owner and the beneficiary. That means that the money goes into the corporation. But then the principle of the corporation is no longer there. So yeah. what happens with that insurance? And yeah. it really depends on who the shareholders are and how the shareholders agree- agreement has been drafted. But we just did the insurance tracking shares in a case uh, second marriage. So there's two spouses, five kids, three from the first marriage and two from the second. And the insurance was being used to, I'll say, I don't like the word equalize because nothing is equal, but to balance the value of the estate amongst all the beneficiaries. Everyone has entitlement to a certain part. The ex-spouse is entitled to X, the kids, the new spouse. Yeah. Everybody and- had a claim. Right. And there are assets in that company that have a value and it's an active business. And some of the kids are going to run with that business. So they're going to acquire the shares of the company. There's a value, not only the value of the shares, but the value to getting a business and running it and income every year. There were two kids that were going, that were not part of the business that weren't going to get a cottage or a house. So what we did is we acquired a whole life insurance policy inside the corp funded by the corp. But to ensure that that money went to the right place when there are seven shareholders from different arms of the family, perhaps they don't all love each other. So we put in insurance tracking shares that not only did we draft the shares, but then we amended the shareholders agreement to take into account that money is to go to those two kids. And the money flows into the court. It flows out through the capital dividend account to those kids. And that's another important thing is that we had to specify that the capital dividend account that grew based on the insurance policy was going to be used for those funds. Yeah. And this is one of those things where sometimes insurance is not just a numbers game. Often it is. Often it's client is doing a freeze. They have a tax bill. We're going to fund that tax bill. This is the cheapest way to do it. And this is what the insurance is going to grow to to fund that tax bill. Math. It's easy. It's simple. It works. Sometimes it's like the messy stuff and it's the family stuff. And my years of advising on Bay Street with these types of families help. And then Zach has his FEA, which helps a lot, has finance background. So we're kind of aware of these issues that happen. And we try to think of ways to mitigate a fight at the end, mess at the end. The best, one of the best things to me about insurance is how clean it is at the end of the day. Because I don't care what's going on in the economy. There's two types of lawyers that are always be busy. Family lawyers and estate lawyers. Estate litigators. Yeah. Because yeah. there's always going to be a fight. I don't care how big the estate is. I've seen fights over $400 million because what's enough, right? It's all. So insurance tracking shares is a good way for us to not only do insurance planning, but kind of work into the family planning and succession planning for business and make sure that when the matriarch or patriarch dies, these things can happen seamlessly, as seamlessly as they can. And it's funny that something like insurance tracking shares can be such an important cog in that wheel, but it can be. It really can be. It can yeah. be can prevent. Well, I mean, you know, it's insurance. Yeah, litigation on estates, especially because you know when it comes to estate plans, any form of ambiguity is ripe for contention. And something as definitive as no, 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 I hold shares tracking that. Here's the contract. Here's the partnership agreement saying that I'm entitled to the CDA. Like there is no confusion. There is no ambiguity, whether the other people like it or not, short of attacking the capacity of the person who was deceased to make that decision really there's nothing to be done, right? Like it's cut and dry. 
right? Doesn't mean you can't sue over it, but just means that you're not going to get anywhere over it. And what? And and another thing that I really like about it, it, the insurance is going to pay out in let's call it two to three weeks. So the insurance flows into the court. Obviously, they're not going to do the redemption right away because someone just passed away and there's a lot going on. But in this particular case, we're going to take two people out of the company within 60 days after the passing of principal. That takes two wild cards out of the game. They have their money. equation. Yeah. And they're gone. And the brothers and the sister that are going to run the business, now they don't have to think about, well, I'm going to be working the business. It's really hard. I'm going to be working 16 hour days. They got to cut a check to my two brothers over there that aren't working a second because they weren't left a, a cent. So I have to take care of them because I was left the business. It gets rid of all that messiness. So um, insurance tracking shares are really good for family planning as well. Absolutely. So messy subject. Estate planning always can be, especially when there's money, even when there's not. But this is a helpful kind of starter for a lot of people on on how basically just not only you kill two birds with one stone, right? We discussed this previously. Specifically, you know, we can we can attribute everything, death benefit, cash, surrender value to one individual, or we can separate the two and reduce that tax burden with a whole life policy, still have the money coming into the estate, uh, sorry, into the corp to deal with the estate planning bill. I mean, it's a highly versatile dynamic solution that frankly, we don't see a lot of in the marketplace. And again, like I said, it's kind of that, you know, the Venn diagram of the blind spots for the insurance guys and the, the lawyers and just kind of, you need a, you have to have a, no, no surprise, you know this because you were exposed to both, but few people do. So Jonah, thank you very much for this. I very much appreciate it. Hopefully everybody will learn from this and seek out proper advice and know that it is possible to utilize insurance, especially in creative ways like this, to minimize family dynamic issues on death. Thank you for having me. It was fun. My pleasure. So I hope you enjoyed that interview with Jonah Mills of Sterling Park. And if you're involved in the estate planning world, I hope you take the time to look into the strategy as it can be very, very valuable and reduce the overall tax bill on debt. As always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever is it your podcast. Until next time, take care. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals, business owners, and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. For more episodes, go to jasonperera.ca. You can even ask Surrey, Alexa, or Google Home to subscribe for you.